from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. On that adaptability side of things, as a you know, hits close to home with accounting. So, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, sort of things, with technology advancing at such a rate, what we do now is nothing better what we used to do. No sitting there doing it manually and then getting the admin person or assistant to type it into the computer or anything like that. Mm. Now it all just happens and obviously we still do work, but it's amazing how, how fast it's gone and mostly obviously because of how fast technology is just adapting and moving forward. Yeah. But, you know, there's other things like government policy, so single-touch payroll, for example. One of the byproducts of it, intentionally or unintentionally from the ATO point of view, is it's forcing businesses onto software. So yeah, their that's right. will be better or should be better. Oh, they will be better. Yeah, yeah I, I've been trying for that one. That's an unintended or side benefit of, yeah, the, you're reporting the information weekly or however often you pay the employees, yeah. ATO gets that and have a look, et cetera. But, you know, just forcing people to be on an electronic system and that increases accuracy of the accounts, increases, I would assume, I haven't actually looked at these figures, but because increasing accuracy of accounts will increase accuracy of the tax and just it provides a better platform for business to operate on. It also, Mitchell, allows small businesses to use other products, other apps that these days are pretty cheap, you know, for scheduling, rostering apps for your staff, some stock control type projects. I mean, there's a whole range of these now in app stores that have all of these uh, really smart apps you can use in business. Once you've got the platform in place, then your capacity to do a whole range of things, sell online, the capacity to, to really get much more involved in social media, to manage customer bases and so on, it all escalates your capacity to be productive as a business. You know, again, back in my Apple IIe days of, of pharmacy, advertising was TV, which was prohibitively expensive. There was radio, but really there was those, you know, the colourful leaflets with the boy or the girl on the bike. No such thing as social media. So small business is a much better place now to be able to use tools that were far, far too expensive for small businesses to use once upon a time, which is, I suppose, one of the opportunities of this very difficult time we live in is the opportunity to do all those things that as a small business person you've never had a chance to do because you've been too busy running your business properly. And, you know, things like getting your customer base, your database up, you know, really ensuring that your social media presence is as good as it could be, doing some online learning. There's some great, really cheap or free courses that are being made available by state governments, by Google, by a whole range of people to help you understand digitisation better, all sorts of things, you know. And, And so from a positive perspective, you might never have had a chance to do those things before. And now maybe is the time to say, okay, well, I need to be able to up my online presence. I need to understand how to use my data better, you know, in terms of data management. Yeah, um, exactly. And 
I think obviously that's important because they've got the time at the moment they can really invest in it. Because a lot of small business, obviously, depending on the industry, but they don't realise the value in the data they've got. So, Absolutely. you know, most business, not if it's not retail or something, but like say accountants or something like that, yeah. have the name of the client, phone number, contact details, what vehicle they've got, all that sort of thing. So it also opens up the idea of, yeah, how else can I leverage you know, it could, it could be a case of, let's just say accounting, for example. I've got yeah. all their, their financial details, like everything. So maybe it's time to go, a lot of them are going to have loans. Let's bring a mortgage broker on and offer that facility or stuff like that where you can leverage the same I suppose, asset and get more for it. And then the customer gets a better service as well. As I always say, because we do have relationships with all brokers and that sort of thing. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. I do say to the clients, look, if you can get it better elsewhere or whatever, go for it. Why wouldn't you? You know, we're offering this service. You know, you're not having to pay the broker. It obviously comes through the bank. But we're offering that. But if you can get a better deal in a car yard or whatever you're doing, then do it. Like, you know, it's quite your face. No, look, absolutely. So you have to say you wouldn't say there's many upsides for COVID-19 and I can't <laughs> quite think of one, but there are, there are opportunities as well And because I love to cook. And so I love the, the restaurant in Melbourne that's a five-star restaurant, so it's hatted, you know, had to close. And so instead of just having takeaway like lots of them have done, they've put together sort of boxes with a YouTube video which helps you cook these sort of cordon bleu sort of scenarios from scratch, watching the chef. So now take this, you know, chop it up. This is what you can, and, you know, I mean, some real information. Amazing idea. It's a really cool idea and you pay for it, but your capacity to do a, you know, a full restaurant cordon bleu dinner at home and learn, you know, some of the skills at the same time was real. And I thought, you know, good on you restaurant, thinking yeah. way outside the square for a five-star type, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. restaurant. That, that's very innovative. So. Like I would 100% do that, not only for obviously the food, which would be delicious, but, yeah, like you said, learning how to cook at that level and what sort of you need to do, and that would be a massive benefit. And I enjoy cooking as well, and it fills that hobby void as well. So. Yeah, no, look, so it does show you that there's things that you can do that you might not have thought of before and I think um, from what I understand of that particular restaurant, they'll keep doing it because they make a quid out of it but yeah. fairly obviously there's a group of people who really like to cook mm-hmm. and so like to create themselves and like to be able to try to make something like this very upmarket restaurant would make and you get to take a photo of it and put it on Instagram with other people who are having a go as well. So a yep. uh, bit of a competition as well to make it, if I get, you can really make it look like the chef made it look. Yeah, make it <laughs> exciting and, yeah. And, you know, from the restaurant point of view, they've just potentially found another business line. So I'm sure they'll yep. keep the restaurant, that'll keep going once again. Yeah, that'll go. They'll keep that and... Now they've got two revenue sources rather than just the one, which which is awesome. Absolutely. That, that's the goal. Anyway, I just thought that was you've got to love the people who have done some some pretty smart things and 
have kept staff busy-ish, you know, maybe not totally busy, but they've kept their staff on. I was talking to a restaurant who's done a few of those sorts of things here in Canberra. And from his perspective, because he had some overseas staff on board, as many restaurants did, from his perspective, what this has done is, who don't get JobKeeper for those unlike you and me who are up to here knowing who gets it and who doesn't. But by doing those things, the restaurant has been able to keep on their overseas visa holders, you know, in this space and keep them employed, which is fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah, and hats off to them. And, yeah, as we said, there's a lot of innovation and and different ways that they're retaining the clients, which which is amazing. True. Um, Now, we're almost at the hour, actually. That, That went really quick. So I'll just go through a quick Five questions for you. Okay. Very nice, easy okay. questions for you. Yep. You, you did answer one during it, but I'll, I'll just repeat it for the listeners for it. So what do you think is the most important quality in business? As I said, resilience and capacity to change, to be able to look to the future, to be able to change in line with customer and societal needs. No worries. Now, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Oh, right now I want to be able to see the future. I want to see <laughs> what things look like at Christmas so I can plan for them. Yeah, that uh, would be great, wouldn't it? See a few uh, numbers. And <laughs> it's what, well, apart from, you know, knowing what to do with share portfolios, <laughs> you know, but I think for all of us, you know, the challenge is not being able to know what six months, 12 months looks like at the moment. So I choose to have foresight, not hindsight. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Now, if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? It'll be a weird one for you. I would keep a database better because over my life, I've, you know, I've met lots of really interesting people and I just wish I'd done what some people do really well but wasn't me and that's keep a database of the people that I've met and stay in touch with people more than I have, you know, busy, busy, busy all the time, doing different stuff and so on. So create and maintain a network, a better network. And can I say for all new business people, as you go on, your network really, really matters. Okay, so we've just done the piece of advice for your younger self. Yeah. Now, what footy team do you follow? Mitchell, I'm a sports junkie is the story. I am hopeless. So <laughs> I don't have one code, but there is one thing I I probably should have told you before I started because then you probably wouldn't have interviewed me, but I'm actually a Collingwood supporter. Oh, and I'm sorry that. about that. <laughs> it's just that there's this thing, you know, that because I was a Collingwood supporter when I was little and I grew up in Queensland, but oh. our local football team was the Magpies. And so the Collingwood, you know, guys used to come up and, you know, train the, the magpies, you know, in Brisbane. So once I didn't realise that once you became a Collingwood supporter that God would zap you <laughs> if ever you changed regardless of anything. So on that basis, I'm a Collingwood supporter. Yep. But um, I love my Brumbies from a union perspective, you know, good solid Canberra team and also the Raiders from a league perspective. And I can quite comfortably watch soccer as well, or for that matter, anything that vaguely looks like sport. So I could be going through some dramatic 
problem right now, not having any sport to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a crisis for you at the moment. That's a it, is a bit of a, it is a bit of a crisis, but there you go. There yeah. you are. So you're a sports junkie. Beautiful. There you go. Beautiful. Now, last question for you. What's your favourite book? It's actually a really hard question because the book that I've probably read again more often is one you won't think, and it's Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's an old book, you know, and it's probably not one of the trendy management ones now, but, you know, it's got some of the best information for, you know, what you need to do to run a business and for that matter, life generally. And, yeah, you know, yeah I highly recommend that book to all the listeners. It's, a, it's an excellent book. I just think it needs a reread every couple of years to make you remember, yeah. you know, some of the stuff that's in there. From one of those books that you remember from youth is uh, Catcher in the Rye. Salinger read it at school, but I've read it again since, and it's a, a great book on the things that mattered to people, issues surrounding depression and belonging and, you know, innocence and stuff. So two various ends of the spectrum, but I'm really quite capable of reading and, for that matter, listening because I use Audible books a lot while I'm driving or do a bit of running. No, I shuffle with intent. I don't really <laughs> run. Uh, so I, I listen to, to to books a lot and increasingly podcasts, I suppose. Yep. And, yeah, I'm a political junkie, so a chunk of them are political. Yep. So there you are. If it helps, so mine. I listen to Audible all the time and, yeah, podcasts on political stuff and analysing it and, and that. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. That's the, the podcast. So look, thank you. Thank you a lot. This been awesome. I think our listeners will, will get a lot out of this. If any of our listeners do have any problems or I suppose want to reach out to the Ombudsman side of things, what's the best way that they can contact you guys? If you come to our website, which is the Australian Small Business Family Enterprise Ombudsman, A-S-B-F-E-O, there's a phone number that you can ring or alternatively, you've got a dispute, there's a place you can uh, fill in the details and we'll get back to you. We do have real people in my office. They're not offshore somewhere or other. We get back and we have a one-on-one discussion. But from an um, advocacy perspective, if you've got something that you think the government's got to change its policy on, let us know and we'll have a chat and see what we can, uh, you know, if it's a good idea, we're really happy to push it forward. And that's because my boss is small business. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you again. and. For all the listeners, stay tuned for future podcasts. Thanks very much, Mitch. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.